appreciate that. Well, looks like I'm going to be. It's uh, dead. Or no, it isn't. Or is it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, technology, it's a blessing, right? I don't have the right to say that I'm too young. Only old people can say that. I, sorry, old preachers. Because old pastors get up and like, that's a ridiculous thing. Some young guy get up here and help me. And I'm just on my own if I mess it up, I guess. So uh, it's, it's working. I think it's on. All right. Very good. Well, boys go forth, prosper. So they've uh, got the handouts and... Uh, they will get them uh, to you, and uh, we're going to be punctual here tonight. Uh, obviously, you do a lesson like this, you want to get through the whole thing and be punctual with it, and, and uh, even recognize uh, towards the end of our prayer series and even last week, uh, I value your time, so I don't want to hold you over, and so I know here the past few weeks we've been about 10 minutes longer than we normally would, and... Uh, the ear can only hear what the seat can endure, and so we're going to be punctual and get started on this, and um, so I'm going to go ahead, even if you don't have a handout, we're not going to get to stuff that's going to be in the handout for just a little bit, and so um, while those are being handed out, we'll go ahead and jump right into this. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter number uh, 6. Uh, just for sake of time, we're not going to read the text to start or, or stand to read it or any of that. We're just going to uh, kind of catch it as we go. Because uh, we'll be covering some of these verses throughout the text. We're going to have tons of verses tonight. Okay, uh, So I've tried to include the references in the notes, but not the verses written out. They'll be written out up on the screen. So as we're going and I say a verse, uh, don't try to turn to it because we'll be to the next one before you get there. So just catch it on the screen. If you want to turn, that's fine. I'm just warning you, you probably won't make it in time. Okay. Uh, it is there in your notes, so if you want to be proactive and get ahead, that's up to you. Okay, uh, so Proverbs chapter number 6, again, is where we're going to be uh, pulling a text, if you want to say a text, from uh, for here this evening. Now, we're living in a day and age, unfortunately, where there's a culture uh, that seems to be allergic to work. I don't, I don't know when that changed or what happened. Uh, but there seems to be uh, an aversion, people who say, well, I don't want to uh, work, I don't want to work hard, and uh, there's a, a disillusion about what they should get. Uh, I was listening to a, um, uh, a YouTube clip from some financial people uh, that were associated with Dave Ramsey and just kind of listening to that, and they said the average college graduate that is around today has the anticipation when they graduate from college, when, when they were asked, what are you going to make? Uh, almost every one of them said when they graduate with a four-year degree from college, their anticipation is, is that they will make six figures in their first year, that they would make at least $100,000, where the average income of those coming fresh out of college was more like forty dollars to $50,000. So there's a disillusionment about their value that they're bringing, and so because of that, a lot of people are unwilling to work. Uh, they actually said right now, most people who are in their 20s and 30s make more money not having been a college graduate than those that went to college, because they they're not strapped with the college debt, and there's a, a lack of people who are willing to do blue-collar jobs and actually work welders and plumbers and electricians there's a shortage in those departments and so people who are willing to work they're paying extra money and willing to train you and things so 
Uh, anyways, we're living in an interesting time, uh, to say the least, where there are quite a few people who are content to just not work and instead be lazy. Unfortunately, we're living in a culture in the United States right now that incentivizes that. Boy, I encourage you to just kind of look into that. Um, uh, Evie, she started doing the shirts and sewing business and stuff and was doing really well with that. And actually, we decided to quit doing that because it hurt us to do it. Come tax time, we actually lost money by her doing the business. We lost all the earned income credit and all that stuff. And the government actually incentivizes that to not work. And so we're living in a culture where you not only have disillusionment about that, but also some incentive to not actually go out and get a job and work. And so this goes quite contrary to some scriptural principles that we're going to look at here tonight that God has not only instructed us, but created us to find joy and satisfaction in working and working hard. And so we're going to talk about that here tonight. There is obviously a ditch on both sides of the road. And so I want to be careful with that because some people work too much. We're going to talk more about that next week, about contentment and how God says godliness with contentment is great gain. Which means a lot of people would do really well just to be content with what God has provided with them instead of being dissatisfied and being discontent. Now, let me give you a quick review here real fast. Obviously, we talked last week about having a right perspective on money. Um, and so we talked about stewardship. God wants, to have us, wants us to have a correct perspective or view on money. And he also wants us to manage money in a God-honoring way. Everything ultimately belongs to God, not just the tithe, but everything, right? Uh, that's a right perspective to have, is everything that I have ultimately belongs to God, so I need to handle God's money the way God wants me to, and I want to be a good steward of what God has provided for me. So uh, let's talk about uh, this idea of the sluggard here tonight. So God created man to work, okay? God created man to work. Now, the Bible actually begins with work. <clears throat> it says this, God created, right? He did the work of creation and creating all things that exist. So the Bible begins with this idea of work. It shows that God rolled up his sleeves, if you will, and spoke the world into existence and created man of the dust of the ground. And so God created work. We also know this, God created man to work. There was work even in the Garden of Eden. Now, that's pre-fall. God created work to happen even in the Garden of Eden. And man found joy and contentment and pleasure in that. Now, sin, of course, messed up some of that. Uh, if you remember, part of the fall was, Adam, now you're going to have to continue to work, but now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. And now the ground's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. You're going to cut yourself and bleed, and there's going to be pain associated with it. So work is still a part of our life, but now there's things that are not desirable that are associated with it. Okay? Uh, one day, obviously, we also understand we're going to work in heaven, which is a, a thing I think most people don't realize. They just think we're going to get to heaven, and we're just going to prop our feet up and you know, float in the, the lazy river around the throne. I don't know what people have in their mind. <laughs> A lot of people have weird ideas about what heaven is going to be. And, but, I mean, the Bible has a lot more 
uh, to say about what heaven's going to be like, and, and work is not a punishment, it's a blessing from God. We also know this, our work reveals a lot about our character. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that a lot here tonight because some people work too much, some people are very good, wise workers, and other people are just lazy. And it reveals a lot about our character of who we are, a lot by how we work and the work that we do and, and the, the, the work that we put into it. So I do want to put in this, beware the dangers of overworking. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, about with contentment and things. But if I can just put a little bit of a plug here, um, guys that are, and I'm not saying this is a wrong thing to do. All I'm saying is be careful. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are working 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week, and they're absolutely just driving themselves into the ground where you say, what's, what's really more valuable, to have that income or to have the opportunity to serve in a church and invest in your family and, and care for your wife like you ought to? Uh, there is a point in which we overwork, and so be mindful of that. I understand there are seasons because my wife probably be back there and like, because mm, there are seasons where I do the same thing. I'm working, burning the candle on both ends and working hard. But if that becomes a consistent thing year round, we maybe need to reevaluate some priorities there. Okay, and we'll talk about that more again next week. So let's talk about the sluggard. That's our objective here tonight. What is a sluggard? So let's talk about the sluggard. So here are some characteristics of some things that are laid out. We're going to take a journey through Proverbs and look at some things uh, with the sluggard or the man who is slothful, okay? So the first thing is this, he's a procrastinator. The motto of a sluggard might sound something like this, never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. Okay, so big part of what makes a sluggard a sluggard is he is the person who says, uh, I, I'll do it later. I've got time, I'll do it later. That's a big qualifier of what can be a part of who a sluggard is. The sluggard is always just about ready to start a job, but not quite. I'm about to start, but next, right? Not quite ready to start that job yet. Uh, these are some things that kind of go along with that as far as procrastination. Maybe saying things like, I can't, I can't get to work. Um, I, I just... There's, there's no way that I can get up and go there. Proverbs 22, 13 says, The slothful man said, There is a line without. I shall be slain in the street. Now, we're going to talk more about that verse later. But what a ridiculous excuse. If I, if I try to go to work, a line's going to eat me. I mean, but come on, I've heard some pretty whoppers of people of why they can't work. Okay, uh, Here's another one. Just a little more sleep, which we'll talk a lot about this excuse also. Proverbs 6, 9 through 10. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Okay, So this is another part of that procrastination. Just let me sleep a little bit more. I'll get to it later. Okay, uh, And then harvest time. Never mind. I'm not quite ready to go out and harvest the crops. Proverbs 10.5 says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So a person who says, Hey, it's time to go harvest the crops, and they say, I've got time, I can do that tomorrow, and then the crops go to waste, and then it's a very shameful thing that that takes place. Okay? Uh, so here's another point on this. The sluggard is never ready to finish a job they have started. 
there's a lot of people who start jobs and never quite finish them. Now, to be fair, we've probably all done it before, right, where we start something and don't quite get it done, but when it becomes a pattern, right, and that, that is the testimony of everything about a person's life is they're always starting a new job, a new venture, a new thing, and they never see it to completion. Uh, one thing that I think is great for any young man or young lady before they leave a house and go off to college or something is see a, a job through to the end. Build something and start it and finish it, right? Uh, it'd be a good discipline to learn to start something and see it all the way to the end, not just halfway through, because it's a big aspect of a sluggard, okay? Sluggards may ta start tasks, but they rarely finish. Proverbs twelve twenty seven talks about this. It says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. But what this means is he's not going to roast that which he took hunting. He went out hunting and he killed an animal. And then he goes, oh, now it's a lot of work to clean that animal and actually cook it and prep it. So I'm just going to let it go to waste. Right? Never sees the job through to the end. Okay? Proverbs 26, 15. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring to his mouth, uh, it again to his mouth. The verse here talks about this. Somebody else might prep the food for him. And then he goes, oh, that's a lot of work to, to eat it. Can you feed me? Now, these are over-exaggerated, right? But they're, po they're pointing out this reality of, uh, hey, uh, even if somebody does this for me, I'm too late. I can't quite do it for myself. And so just another wonderful verse for that. Okay, Proverbs 20 and verse number 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. It's too cold. I don't want to go work and go out there and do these things. So a, a job starter, not a job finisher. And there's always an excuse why that's happened. Okay. Uh, the second thing is this, is they are a rationalizer. Now this is somebody who always has a reason why they can't. Always has a good reason, right? No, they're usually not good reasons, but they have rationalized in their mind that they are. The sluggard's mind often works faster than their body. When it comes to making excuses, the sluggard always has a reason he cannot. Okay? Now, the classic excuse is found twice. We've already talked about this, but I want to dig it out here a little bit more. Proverbs 22, verse 13, and Proverbs 26, 13 give the same uh, illustration, a little bit wording different in these. But the verses say this, The slothful man saith, There's a lion without, I shall be slain in the street. And then Proverbs 26 and verse number 13 says, The slothful man saith, There's a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. Now, here, here's the thing. In modern day vernacular, it would sound like this. For somebody in, in Bridgeport, Texas, it'd be like somebody saying this, I can't go out there and work. A pack of coyotes would get me and tear me to pieces. Now you tell me, what is the likelihood of somebody getting totally torn to pieces by a pack of coyotes in Bridgeport, Texas? It's pretty much zero. I don't know what the percentage of people being actually killed by coyotes is, but it's pretty low. Now, right here, what we're saying is, were there lines in this area? Yeah, but did, was there a probability that a guy's going to go out into the street of the city and there's a lion there and he's going to get eaten? No, it's a bad excuse. It's just a lame excuse. I can't because the most improbable thing might happen, right? He's come up with this very, very lame excuse what a, but people come up with all kinds of excuses why they cannot work. They can rationalize why they're not. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. Mm, right? 
We'll find something else to do that uses this shoulder instead, you know? And, and again, I want to be clear, and we're going to talk about this later in, in the verse here. There is a point in which a person genuinely needs assistance and genuinely needs help and genuinely needs workman's comp and genuinely needs comp. I'm talking about somebody who is coming up with every reason why they cannot, okay? So we just need to make that clear as we go through this as well, okay? Uh, just a little bit more sleep. This is a big rationale. Uh, that the person has here. I just need just a little bit more, right? Oh, oh, nobody even does that anymore. I don't even have my phone on me. We don't, we don't hit snooze buttons anymore. You grab your phone and you go, you turn it off or reset it, right? That, that's how that snooze works nowadays. But Proverbs 6, verse 10 and 11, again, this would be somewhat of our text here that we were even talking about where it talks about, hey, sluggard, go look at the ant. That's what Proverbs 6 is about. If you want to know what a diligent person looks like, watch an ant. They're never sleeping. They're just move, 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 constantly going. And so he says in verse number 10, he describes it this way in that text. He says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. He's saying this, man, you're going to wind up poor if you just keep hitting the snooze button. Why'd you get fired? Well, I slept in, never showed up to work on time. You say, do people do that? Oh, I've heard that a lot lately. Wow. A lot. People saying we had to let the guy go because he wouldn't, he wouldn't show up to work. He's just sleeping all the time. Stayed up late, partied instead, and never was at work when he needed to be. We did show up at work. He's tired, not what he's doing, what he ought to do. Okay? So they're absolutely in our culture and in, in where we're at. Okay? Proverbs 24, 33, and 34 says it this way. He had a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold in the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travailed, and thy want as an armed man. Exactly the same wording. Okay? So, and then this final thing here, or, or the next thing, number three here, they take the path of least resistance. They take the path of least resistance. Probably a better way to describe this would be this. They are lazy. The one word that describes the slothful and sluggard the most is lazy. So path of least resistance might be just a nice way of saying they're lazy. They're not willing to actually do what they need to do. So let me give you a few verses here with this. Proverbs 10 and verse number 26 says this, As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the ice, so is the sluggard to them that send him. This is Texas, and I understand probably most people in here have been camping before, and they say smoke follows beauty, right? <clears throat> if you never heard that, I guess that's the old wives' tale. I always sit in the smoke every time we go camping. Okay, that's not true. But anyways, um, you ever get smoke in your eyes? Your eyes start watering and burns, right? Uh, vinegar in your teeth, right? You ever just, just go take a big swig of vinegar when you get home, okay? Are you weird people that eat, drink apple cider vinegar? May the Lord bless your soul. My wife does that kind of stuff and forget it. That ain't me, right? Uh, but I'll tell you this, vinegar to the teeth, smoke to the eye. That's like a, somebody who sends a sluggard to do a job because it'll never get done. It just burns, it's irritating, it's frustrating, okay? Because they're just lazy, they're not going to do what they ought to do. Proverbs 18.9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Okay, uh, Somebody who's just wasting stuff and it's, it compares them to somebody who is slothful and a sluggard. Okay, Proverbs 19.15, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Okay? The sluggard might be up to date on all the latest gossip, movies, TV shows, video games, and the like, but they are failures at work. Okay? 
Uh, boy, there's a lot of people that are up on the latest who's who's and the gossip, and they, they're up to date on the latest TV show, but they, they will not be diligent in doing their work. Is um, entertainment good? In, in its right place it is, but if that's all that's happening, then that becomes a great danger, isn't it? Yep. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Uh, the most effective tool of the sluggard is his bed. This is a, an interesting one. Let me read you a few verses here. It says, Proverbs 6.10, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. It's a description of the sluggard. Proverbs 10.5 says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Proverbs 20, verse 13 says, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. I love Proverbs 26, 14. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so the slothful upon his bed. It's good when a door functions the way it's supposed to, but the, the, the description is very vivid, isn't it? Here's a door swinging on its hinges, and here's someone in their bed, and they're just rolling over, turning the covers over, and he says that's how a slothful person is there. The sluggard is also susceptible to schemes of get-rich-quick. The schemes of get rich quick. Why? Because if they don't want to work, if I just do this, I'll get rich. Did you know, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to take a dig or a swipe here, just using it as an illustration. Uh, most people who gamble and buy lottery tickets are not the wealthy. They're those who are actually very low income or poverty. Why? Because there is the hope of, I'll, I'll hit it rich, then I won't have to work, Right. And actually, statistically, those who win the lottery that didn't come from money and then all of a sudden have money, it's a very short time that they're back in poverty. Very short. Okay, so uh, anyways, so get-rich-quick schemes are very susceptible to that. Proverbs 12 talks about that. Proverbs 12, 11 and 12 says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Speaking of the difference of those who try to get rich quick and those who are willing to work and be diligent and put up. Okay? We also know this, that the sluggard is foolish. The sluggard is foolish. Now, the, the book of Proverbs has very interesting characters. We'll do a, a study on the whole book of Proverbs at some point while I'm here, probably. That won't be here Tonight, but there, there's very vivid pictures in the book of Proverbs, like the simple one, the scorner, uh, the, the wise, the fool, the slothful, the sluggard. There's, these characters are in the book of Proverbs. And so the fool and the sluggard are not the same. Okay? The fool says there's no God, right? But we also know, though, that the sluggard has characteristics that are foolish. He might not be a fool, but he does foolish things. Okay? So Proverbs 24 and verse number 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. So here's the description. He says, here's somebody who's slothful and he's lacking understanding. He's a fool, right? So he uses that explanation of him. Here's another thing too also. They are full of pride. Full of pride. <clears throat> Proverbs 26 and verse number 16 would say it this way. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Let that sink in for a second. You could have seven guys who are experts in a field sitting down and saying, dude, this is not right. And he could sit back and he's sitting there saying, no, this is the way you do it. 
the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men who can render a reason. When you try to reason with someone about their need to apply themselves, find a job, provide for themselves, the individual will exhaust you with reasons why they cannot or should not have to work hard. There's just, they're full of pride, right? I don't have to. I don't need to. It's not up for me. And also this, he's picky about the work that he would accept. Okay, so that's, again, just a, another thing that's pointed out there as well with pride. Somebody who's very picky and says, I won't do this, I won't do this, I won't do this. Okay. This final thing also, they require constant supervision and prodding. Constant supervision and prodding. <clears throat> again, there are probably other traits that we could point out to the sluggard, but these are ones that are clearly identified in the book of Proverbs. Okay? Characteristics of who a sluggard is. If you want a sluggard to get anything done, they have to be pushed. Okay? Um, all, all sorts of things that could point to this. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse number 25, talks about them having hunger pangs. Okay? The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Okay, so obviously there, there is a point there where somebody says, I'll work, but only because I have to. They're being pushed to that. Okay, a sluggard has to be pushed into work. Sometimes it takes a taskmaster or even a whip. That sounds a little aggressive, but Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, and the slothful shall be under tribute. Someone's going to be the master and someone's going to be the slave in this, and the sluggard's going to wind up being the one who is going to be taskmastered into doing the job that needs to be done. Okay? So what is the consequences of somebody? If somebody says, I, I'm just going to be lazy, I don't want to work, I don't want to, I, I don't want to lift my hand to eat the food, it's just somebody being extremely lazy and coming with every excuse why they should not have to work. What is the consequence? First thing is this, no food. The Proverbs teach the principle made very clear in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now again, this principle is throughout the Bible. Proverbs 19.15 says, Slothfulness casteth into deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Now unfortunately, we have created a society where people are allowed to eat, when they will not work. That's dangerous. Why? Because there's no incentive to work. There's a huge difference between being charitable and loving and helping people in need and enabling people that are lazy. Don't, don't miss the distinction here. Okay? We're, we're not being hard on people that need help. But there are some people, let's be honest, who are working the system. Right? And, and they're being lazy, and they're still being able to eat. And because of that, uh, it, we're just enabling it. Okay? And I want to talk about that as well with, with our aspect of dealing with people. How do we handle people that are in need, and how do we handle people that are moochers? Right? Even in our life, how do we handle those things? Okay? Uh, another consequence of this is poverty. 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 <clears throat> Proverbs 6.11 and Proverbs 24.34 read exactly the same. They say this, So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. The verses preceding these verses talk about slothful behavior. 
When there's slothful and sluggard behavior, the result is poverty. Okay? If somebody's not going to work, they're not going to have money that they need to have a house and provide for themselves and be taken care of. Uh, you know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You, if, if you'll just stop for just a moment, even around here in Bridgeport and just walk around, I'm not saying everyone who lives in poverty has been sinful and wrong and evil. But what I am saying is those who have lived a life of sin and evil predominantly live a life of poverty. Those who choose substance abuse and those who have gone all in in addictions and problems in their life, they predominantly wind up in a state of poverty. Why? Because the way of the transgressor is hard. There are guys that I went to school with who are the same age as I am, and yet they look like old men because they have lived a life of sin and transgression. And it's hard. Okay? Uh, and then the last one is this, problems. Proverbs 15, 19 says, The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. So they have those problems that are connected with that. Okay? So what is the cure for the sluggard? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, I hate to admit it, but I identify with this character. Okay? I'm not trying to be harsh or heavy or hard on you. We just want to be clear, if that's what you're starting to identify as, well, let's see in the Bible what the remedy is. Some might say, well, there's somebody in my life that is a sluggard. I have a child that's a sluggard. I have a brother that's a sluggard. I have a parent that's a sluggard. I, I, I don't know what the relation might be, a friend, a neighbor, I don't know. But there's someone in your life that is, and you say, I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with them. Well, this will be helpful, hopefully, for you, okay? Um, because I know, I know a lot of people that struggle with this, okay? So... Let's dig into it, okay? The cure for the slugger, first thing is this, gain their attention by pain, pressure, and problems. You do not have to introduce pain, pressure, and problems in their life. They are already inherently there, but they're not experiencing them because you keep bailing them out. I'm, I'm, again, I just want to be clear about this, so let me go through these here real quick. The pain, I hurt, I'm hungry, right? Pressure feel the consequences of their sin and poor choices. Go to prison, get evicted, right? Don't have money for groceries, can't pay for this medical bill. Not because of a genuine need, but because of sloth and because of mismanagement, right? Problems, money problems, relationship problems. I think a lot of people like to push their problems off on us, uh, other people, and they say, well, I'm, I'm, this is a bad relationship because you won't do what I want you to do. And, and the reality is, is their bad behavior shouldn't be your fault, right? And we have to, you have to be clear about some of those things, okay? We need to assess what is the source of a person's poverty, pain, pressure, or problems. If it's not the result of sloth or sin, we ought to help them. Try to be uh, clear with that again. We need to assess what is the source of a person's poverty, pain, pressure, or problems. If it's not the result of sloth or sin, we ought to help. If God has enabled us to do so, we ought to be a blessing. Yes. So if, if our child is struggling uh, with, with their finances and we're able to help them, and it's just because of 
something happened and they've been being diligent and they're trying to do right and, and they're handling their finances right and they've been working hard, then there is, a, I think, some room in there where we say this, I, I, I feel good about helping them. But there is another side of that where somebody is experiencing the consequences of their sin and then we bail them out and we think we're helping them when in reality we're going to wind up hurting them in the long run. Okay? Let me give you a little bit of an example here with that. You remember the prodigal son? What helped the prodigal son come home? He came to himself. He is living in a pig pen, eating pig food in rags, and he goes, what am I doing? This is not the life for me. I'm going to go be a slave for my dad. And he returned home. Now, what did the dad do when he returned home? He, with compassion, he put the ring on his hand, fell down, and received him back home. But he, wait, he didn't go looking for the son. He waited till his son came to himself. And, and some of us, we're running after them, running after kids and bailing them out, when really a lot of times they need to feel the pain of their sinful choices so they can return home. And then be ready to receive them with open arms. Not with an I told you so. Okay? Because it's really tempting to do that. Okay? <clears throat> so, what's some other things that can happen here? Another blessing or a way to help somebody who is a sluggard. Changed priorities and perspective. <clears throat> we want to help them change their priorities and perspective. If somebody starts to come to you with needs, wants, because of sinful and bad choices, help them realize, and again, a sluggard oftentimes is full of excuses and reasons why they can't. But always give them the truth. What, what is the truth? Well, the commandment as it's given by Jesus is this. Jesus first, others second. Well, what is the sluggard's command? Me first. Right? I put myself first. That's the sluggard's command. I will put myself first. The sluggard needs to apply the principles found in Philippians 2 and Ephesians 4.28 into their life. Of course, you can read those verses at another time, but Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Ephesians, uh, where's it at there? Ephesians um, 4.28, let him that stole still no more, but rather let him work, laboring with his hand, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him which is in need, right? We have very clear explanation in Scripture about what the response ought to be, changing of perspective. And then the third thing is this, which ought to be self-explanatory, but go to work. If you're a sluggard, work, find, find a job and do it, okay? Proverbs 14, 23, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to purinary, which is just another nice fancy word of saying this, poverty, no money, no benefit of life. So obviously there's that, okay? So you have a wise worker. I'm going to do this really, really quick. We're going to burn through this, okay? So in contrast to somebody who's a sluggard, what is somebody who works hard and works diligently? I'm going to give you these two here quickly because you have them there in your notes without any blanks. The wise worker doesn't merely work but works hard. <clears throat> and again, we could point to some, some verses with that. Uh, in Ephesians 6, it talks about that. <clears throat> Let her be there. The wise worker takes initiative and works well without supervision. They don't have to have somebody standing over them and cracking the whip. They take initiative, then they, they say, I'm going to do right. Okay, let her see there. The wise worker plans for the future. The wise worker plans for the future. 
Letter D, the wise worker patiently builds wealth through hard work. Letter E, the wise worker is a good steward of resources. We talked about that some last week. Letter F, the wise worker views their vocation as having significance before God. And again, we could point out a whole lot of other principles about what a wise worker, somebody who's going to work diligently, looks like. We're kind of trying to contrast that to the sluggard. So what is some practical application for our personal financial life? What's some things that we can point to here? Number one is this. If you're a sluggard, choose to be a wise worker instead. Um, I I don't know why this is. When I turned 18 years old... um, I'm just talking about for me personally. When I turned 18, the first thing I wanted to do was move out of my parents' house and go be my own man. Again, this isn't a cheap shot. Don't take it the wrong way. But I cannot tell you how many people I've met who are not in their upper teens, but I'm talking about almost in their 30s, that have no desire to leave mom and dad and have no desire to work or do something with their life. Just in a kind, compassionate way, Teenagers, young people, when you get to a certain age, go work. Go be diligent. Make something of your life. Learn a skill. Learn a trade. Go to college. Do something with your life. Don't sit and be a sluggard. Encouragement for parents and grandparents, don't let them be a sluggard. Now, we haven't got to the point with our kids where they're moving out of the house, but I'll tell you this, I'm looking forward to it. My plan is, is we're going to proverbially break the plate when they move out, right? Write their name on, you're welcome to visit, but as of right now, you're on your own. Good luck. Really, I think that is in a large part of what needs to happen. And I'm thankful in, in a big way I had parents that did that for me. They were there to support me, encourage me, help me out a little bit along the way, but they said, go be your own man. And we need some more of that in our culture today. Okay? Uh, letter B, <clears throat> if you overwork and put too much emphasis on work, correct your priorities. And we'll talk more about that next week. But there's a ditch on the other side too. Okay? Oftentimes we run that risk more than we do the other, where we're overworking more than being slothful. Okay? And then letter C, do all your work for the good of others and for the glory of God. Allow your perspective of work to be correct, which is this. God gave you work. Work is a good thing. Work is beneficial. So be the best you can be. Whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men, right? That's what the Bible talks about even in our labor and our work. And that will prevent us from being a sluggard and being slothful. The Bible has a lot to say about being a sluggard. And there's a culture of sluggardness that's out there. But let us, within the New Testament church, choose this diligent, wise work, not the life of the sluggard. Amen. Let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation here tonight. The Lord spoke to you.